live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the program. Always an honor to be in for Jim. Play a very small role contributing to the biggest and most important show in our industry. Brian Weber with you. Got a ton to get to. Panic in the streets of Boston. First, it was the Bruins after their record-setting season. Stunned in the opening round of the playoffs. Now it's the Celtics on the brink. Monster game from Embiid. We're going to kick things off, focusing on what went down in the Garden last night. We'll get to the latest Magical performance from Nikola Jokic, a triple-double to put Denver on top of Phoenix. Three games to one. Durant and Booker, less lethal. We have an elimination game in the San Francisco Bay Area. The Lakers trying to end the Warriors dynasty. Plus, Heat with an opportunity to close out the Knicks. The least interesting of all the four matchups because the Knicks, candidly, aren't that good. So, a ton of basketball to get to. As always, the goal is to be interactive. 1-800-636-8686. Hit me up on Twitter. Some of the memes have been very entertaining. B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. It's amazing what you people can do with Photoshop. I'm learning. It's an ATP Wednesday. So get the emails flowing. Rome and have a take.com. We're sticking with what I believe is a winning formula because I ripped it off from Jim Rome. Only two guests over the course of our three hours together and none until we get deep into hour number two of the program coming up at 1.40 Eastern time. In addition to all the NBA analysis I'm about to offer, we'll check in with Mike Vorkanov from The Athletic. He covers the entire league and he used to be their beat writer for the Knicks. So if Knicks fans, and I grew up in the New York Tri-State area, if anybody cares, if you feel like I've slighted your team, I'm not going to spend much time on the Knickerbockers, but we'll get Mike's thoughts on how the Knicks can build on finally breaking through Reaching the second round in the postseason for the first time in a decade. Here's the easy summary. Go get a superstar. That's what they're lacking. And then, I never talk baseball. Well, let me back up. Clarify. I selectively talk baseball. Like your phone calls. Although we took two yesterday. So I must be getting soft in my old age. Not soft in the middle. But you get Aaron Judge back in New York. You have Otani back on the mound making more history Last night, that's enough for me to spotlight the grand old game, and we'll do it at the end of the program. So, I don't have to take a huge left turn, but I always enjoy our conversations with Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. You've read his work at SportsIllustrated.com, other platforms as well. So, in addition to the NBA, as mentioned, I don't let you produce the show via Twitter, but I read your feedback I'm trying to be balanced to a degree. I was intending on addressing the Bob Huggins situation again today. We can advance the story. According to reports, he's going to keep his job, but pay a price financially and with a suspension. In my mind, not nearly enough. I'll address that in 20 minutes. And because I know whose chair I'm about to break, although it's been reinforced, this is a big fight game house. And... Nobody, if we're going through the pantheon of jungle legends, nobody has had better conversations with Jim Rome than Nate Diaz. So I'm going to have to tread lightly because with Nate getting ready to put on the boxing gloves for the first time against Jake Paul, 
I endured the worst press conference trying to hype a fight I've ever seen, but it provided audio gold. That's coming up in 40 minutes. Your reaction in 20 minutes. You got to get past Jack Savage today. He's got a lot of education. He's got a lot of enthusiasm, but he's a trained assassin. And if he doesn't like your phone call at 1-800-636-8686, you're dead man walking. Tom apparently had enough of me reading my resume and complaining about my personal life. He's got the day off. Alvin did not read the schedule correctly and just happened to land on a day hosted by yours truly. Let's start in Boston. I'll take you behind the curtain because this show is all about transparency. It is closing in on 9.05 local time here in Southern California. That means when a game tips off at 10 Eastern, that's a real stretch. I have enough cosmetic issues as is, even with the hairpiece and a lot of Botox. So my goal was to make it all the way through the Sixers and the Celtics and watch as much of Denver v. Phoenix as I felt necessary, then hit the TiVo button, watch it, because we roll in about 4.30 in the morning. Guys didn't show up until 5. We do a full dress rehearsal of the program so I can write out my ad-libs. There's a point to this dissertation here. I watched the entire Celtic Sixer game with the mindset of the Boston run has to be coming at some point, right? Because we saw the Sixers blow the 16-point lead at home on Sunday. Boston comes all the way back. They do all the work to get it down to a one-possession game in the final seconds of OT. They commit the one basketball sin they could not afford to make leaving Harden open for the three, and then they had a terrible possession after Harden buried that go-ahead shot, looking like they had no semblance of a plan, and they relied on Marcus Smart to take the shot. He made it after the horn sounded. So I'm thinking there has to be the rebound performance because this is a Boston team at a minimum that should be up 3-1 based on their ability to dig deep and do all the work Sunday in Philadelphia. Or... Go back to game one on their home court, knowing Joel Embiid could not play. How do you lose that game, even giving the credit to James Harden for being superhuman? So if you're an angry Celtic fan, I get where you're coming from. You want to vent 1-800-636-8686. should have been the tally overall. You can argue that Boston should have completed the sweep. Instead, they come home. And they look utterly lethargic. Now, before I spend the rest of the monologue throwing dirt on the Celtics, we have to acknowledge the effort put together by Philadelphia. Captain Obvious is going to remind you, Joel Embiid is the reigning MVP for a reason. However, and I'm not trying to pretend I'm Dr. Chow. I'm not the injury expert. Is he not dealing with a knee injury? Wasn't that the whole reason he couldn't play in game one? This guy is phenomenal he can't be close to 100 percent. we saw him laboring mightily at the end of overtime because he was gassed so whatever percentage you want to go with 75 percent of Embiid apparently is good enough for 33 points 21 in the first half and while the final score did not reflect a blowout it certainly was a game thoroughly dominated by Philadelphia and it wasn't just Embiid asserting himself in the paint. He also had some amazing defense. 
He is a unicorn. This is not breaking news or stunning insight provided by the fill-in host. But for a guy who is dealing with a knee injury to come up with that game, I think also mindful of what Philadelphia is going to go through in every playoff game, what are you going to get out of James Harden? The bookends of exceptional performances. Game one, game four on Sunday. The two games in between, atrocious. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Embiid balled out because he's aware of the magnitude of the moment. Harden, only 17 points, but he had 10 assists. And the other thing, as I'm going to try to break down the game now, because, you know, in my seven years of playing in the CBA, I didn't get the call up, but when I used to play in Europe, I was told it's all about spacing. Did you see how many open looks Philadelphia was getting? Because Boston woke up as the game moved along and said, okay, we got to deny and beat at least when he's in the lane. Well, that creates opportunities like Maxi took advantage of, and he finally came alive. Tyrese has come so far in three-point shooting. I enjoyed his conversation with Jim about a month ago. He was candid saying... It took me a while to figure out how to be a consistent three-point shooter in the NBA after I dominated so much in my one-and-done experience in Kentucky. While Maxie's coming up with 30, Harden doesn't have to be leaned on as much, and that is a tremendous development for Philadelphia because you simply don't know the bandwidth the spectrum, the undulation in productivity from Harden on a game-by-game basis. So I wanted to acknowledge Philadelphia because there was another team on the floor. And isn't it fascinating? Over the years, even though he has the title and is responsible for one of those banners hanging in the rafters at the Garden, who's been more vilified for his coaching failures in the postseason than Doc Rivers? He's the Chris Paul of coaches because he coached Chris Paul in Southern California. 3-1 leads mean nothing for Doc. Suddenly in this series, he's being lionized like he's Red Auerbach because he's matching wits with a coach who looks overmatched. And I'll be thoroughly candid. I am not qualified to evaluate a coaching performance. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. In its true essence, I'm just watching the games like you. Now, theoretically, my qualification is I've been around the NBA a long time. I was a Warriors sideline reporter for nine years. I've sat in coaches' offices with other members of the media. Even if I was completely out of my mind, I might have picked up something along the way in addition to all the games I've called. But just watching last night, you don't have to be Dr. James A. Naismith to figure out the Celtics were flat Where was the energy? Where was the urgency? And how do you then divide the responsibility? How much of that comes down to coaching? Now, I will say from 
And X's and O's is terribly boring radio. But just from a standpoint of the eyeball test, way too many open looks available for the Sixers, and it's a shooter's league. They knock them down. And if you're a Philly fan, that maxi development is really potentially a big building block. But beyond that, from a game flow standpoint, coaching also comes down to motivating and leading, and especially at halftime, after, candidly, the Sixers should have been up 18, 20, to come out and be that lethargic as the Celtics were to start the second half, tells me either Missoula's not saying the right things or the guys aren't buying in or they just didn't want to give it all they had last night. I, I am not assigning a sweeping indictment of a lack of effort, okay? I want to choose my words carefully. But there's no excuse to have that lack of energy. They just looked like they were slumbering for the majority of the game. So that's on the players. And you can rightfully criticize Missoula, saying he's not qualified to have that job. He's only 34 years old, no head coaching experience. He was never supposed to be the coach. Wasn't like he sabotaged Emma Udoka. Udoka created his own issues. Boston needed a coach, and they looked within the organization. But decisions have consequences, and we saw it at the end of Sunday's game. Missoula owning up to his tactical error, not calling the timeout. So when you have opened that door, you've created a real possibility for much more second-guessing. And should Boston not advance. I'm going to tell you why I think they will. Coming up, I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. You can pick up the phone at 1-800-636-8686. Your reaction and your thoughts on Twitter in 10 minutes. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. But should Boston get knocked out as soon as the next game in Philadelphia, what will the consequences be? Is anybody going to pay the price immediately? I don't think Missoula will be fired. I think it would be a... Rash decision, an admission by Brad Stevens, he made the wrong choice. I think the real question is, if Boston doesn't advance, what happens to the partnership between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? And we'll talk about this coming up when we check in with somebody who really understands the cap better than I do. I mentioned Mike Vorkovov is going to join us in the next hour from The Athletic. He's a capologist. We're going to get the NBA recognition of the first three teams, all NBA first, second, and third team, handed out tonight at 7 Eastern. If Jalen Brown lands on one of those teams, he becomes eligible for the Supermax. That changes everything financially. If he doesn't, it gets very interesting with his pending free agency. Remember in the NBA, we always look a year ahead. Jalen Brown doesn't hit the market until next summer. But if the Supermax is not in play, then we have a lot to talk about. Or if you just think, and I disagree with this notion, but if you think there's a fundamental disconnect between Tatum and Brown, then you got to make a choice. And I think clearly it's Jason Tatum's team. And all you need to do is think back to last year. The reason I believe in the Celtics is they were in this very same situation. Now, if you want to parse what they did remember they were taking on a Milwaukee team that did not have Chris Middleton still needed seven games to advance they took on Jimmy Butler 
playing with absolutely no supporting cast, even though Miami was the top seed last year. And it took them all the way down to the final 60 seconds of a thrilling Game 7 to edge Miami. But results matter more than the process. Boston has been there before. So, if you want to spin it, pro-Celtics, you say, okay, they've created their own conundrums. As recently as last year, they have found a path forward. And since this is Tatum's team, and he's the man, and he's the superstar, go back to what he did in the situation last year on the road to Milwaukee. Elimination game, he was exceptional with the 46 points. So I don't think the series is over. I think Boston has created most of their issues. While I gave Philadelphia all the credit they deserve, Boston's the deeper team. They have the more talented roster, but it just appears from a distance something is missing here. And I don't know if it's the coaching dynamic. I don't know what's going on internally. If you believe that Tatum and Brown merely are going along with things just because they were thrown together and there's not really a relationship there, maybe that's coming to the fore. But I don't think we should say it's over for Boston just yet, even though they got to go on the road to Philadelphia. We've seen this team do it in a high-leverage situation. Not 30 years ago. I'm not talking Larry Brown. (laughs) Larry Brown. Crank, anyone? I'm not talking Toby in Houston. Larry Brown coached every team. I might have gotten lucky there. He might have coached the Celtics. Larry Bird is not coming through that door. ML Carr is not available. I'm going to name every guy on the roster now to backpedal. Jerry Sheesting is not going to play in this game. Folks, if you're a Boston fan, I understand your tendency to want to say the sky is falling. And the overall tally of the series gives you plenty of material to lose your mind. But I just want to slow things down. I think the Celtics can get it done, at least get it to a Game 7. If they show up with the same absence of energy in a Game 7 at home as they did last night, then we're talking who's the man to pay the price. Is it Missoula? Do you break up the team, split up Tatum and Brown? But I'm not ready to get there yet. It's amazing. When I sit in for Jim, the monologue in my head is focus on what I'm talking about because it should be pretty clear. While I have notes for days... I'm freestyling here. I know what I want to say, but the map is happening organically. The simultaneous conversation is all the jungle thoughts going on parallel. So if I say Larry as the longtime clone, I'm either thinking parody Larry or Larry Brown. That was an unintentional miscue, but sometimes the show within the show is the best part of life sitting in for Jim Rome. Okay. I... Meant to get to Denver and Phoenix. I kind of got on a roll there. So we will hit pause on the NBA for now. Top of the hour, I will get into what happened last night. I think you realize just as Embiid is a transcendent talent, Nikola Jokic is a once-in-a-generation player. He's doing things we have not seen a center achieve since Will Chamberlain, the triple-double last night. And Booker look a little bit spent. That's understandable. He and Durant have been carrying this team in the absence of Chris Paul. I'll acknowledge the Knicks and the Heat. We're going to spend a lot of time on the Lakers and Warriors, just as I think it's premature to say Boston is dead. 
Warriors get it done tonight, in my view. Then we're talking game six on the road here in Southern California Friday for a team that only won 11 games on the road in the regular season. Got to get to the audio. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Brian Weber, back with you. Third and final day. Delighted to be in for Jim Rome. If you're not a fan, that's why I emphasize third and final day. Almost done with me. And then the good news is, and I think it's always the highlight win, Two very creative people filling for Jim. The brother Sklar here tomorrow. That's appointment. Watching on CBS Sports Network. Listening on CBS Sports Radio. Jack Savage screening your calls. He's draconian on a big word Wednesday. Said nothing worth taking yet. You're going to step your game up. 1-800-636-8686. Looking for your emails on this ATP day. RomanHaveATake.com. Your tweets on the way in 15 minutes. I sat through a webcast that felt like sucked eight hours of my life from my very soul. Where do I go to get those eight hours back? It was only 20 minutes, but Nate Diaz, and again, I'm going to frame this respectfully because Nate is a bad dude, and he's got a great relationship with Jim. Jake Paul is a fraud in every sense of the word, but if they provide content— I'm going to pick it up like a quarter sitting in front of me on the sidewalk. Getting into Bob Huggins momentarily. Your reaction. What do you know? G off and Lincoln. Been quiet the last couple days. What are you, too good now for the fill-in host? Dear B-Web, who do you think you are? I am, damn it right, towards the studio chair after surviving three days of Weber in for Rome. Not your best one, Geoff. Brian, yes, the Bruins tanked. Celtics are close to joining them on the golf course, but we're still ahead of the Yankees. Sign the Red Sox. Hashtag, we all love the Red Sox. We all love the Red Sox. Always have and always will. Thank you, Dustin. Bucky Dent walking through that door with Larry Brown and Larry Bird. And hello, Larry, a show that was... Once starring the late, great McLean Stevenson. Good career move for McLean to walk away from MASH. You know, I think I can probably carry it on my own. Shelley Long endorses that move as well. Okay, I have to read this slowly. And I want to give Scott and Salt Lake props for being committed to the gimmick. Now, it's a little bit long, a touch self-indulgent, but I built my career on both those things. So, let me pay it off. Hey, Brian, what up? Had to come through with this trifecta. You get me excited. Ha ha. Great job this week. If you don't know the setup, let me do it slowly here. This is Scott in Salt Lake, who organically has emerged as the Alfred Lord Tennyson of the jungle, at least when I'm here. Maybe he thinks I need the help because we could kill the next half hour if I really enunciate. Here we go. So follow along. A little rhyming here. Dr. Seuss. In Boston, not great. Depressing the entire state. Bruins no longer skate. The hoodie ingrate. 
So what's the Celtics' fate? No banner, 1-8. Missoula may not skate. Too much on his plate. No champagne in the crate. Things could escalate. Brown, not Larry Brown, Brown free agency may await. Philly fam will irate after two cheesesteaks they ate. They are always irate. You can't rain. Okay. Santa couldn't acclimate. I can't overstate. Win in six. Don't wait. Sorry, Celtic hate. Lakers, I celebrate. Poet laureate, I'm out late. I didn't even read that well. Still very well done. Now, the question is, will Scotty and Salt Lake keep it going tomorrow? I think the Sklarers come with so much good stuff. They don't need the assistance like I do. Scott, tentatively, if past is a predictor, I'm back mid-July. So you have a few months to work on your next Odysseus. I sing of arms and a man. Let's get to Bob Huggins. Spent a good portion of the program on his horrendous comments. Homophobic slur used not once, but twice in a ridiculous radio conversation in Cincinnati. I put this in the show because I thought West Virginia would finally have to do something based on public pressure and also do the right thing. Well, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN, the university and Huggins finalizing details for him to return to the sideline, keeping his job. However, he's expected to receive a suspension, a $1 million drop in salary, and go through sensitivity training. Now, you could say that's sufficient. That's enough. I have a very different opinion for these reasons. I'll go back to the template I laid out yesterday. Bob Huggins is the CEO of the basketball program. If your CEO for whatever corporation you might work for made those comments, that person would have been fired that day. There would have been no lengthy investigation. There would not have been any fact finding because all you have to do is listen to the tape. And we go back to the Glenn Kuyper incident, the suspended announcer for the Oakland A's. When I was here on Monday, my assessment of that was we are responsible as members of society, but specifically if you're clutching a microphone, for every word that comes out of our mouths. Words have consequences. Now, why is Huggins going to survive? And I think he should have been terminated with cause. Well, he has a few things working for him. The apology was okay. He did not acknowledge the people he offended. There was no mention of that community and the people who have dealt with so much discrimination and so much closed-minded nonsense for decades. That's why we don't say the word anymore. And again, I'm 53 years old, okay? So don't tweet at me, hey, you're part of the woke mob You're a social justice warrior. As I continue to go back to references in the 1970s and 1980s, things were said on network television that we don't say anymore. Don Rickles wouldn't work today. And I'm not canceling Don Rickles. I thought he was very entertaining. If you want to watch a Dean Martin roast, you can. But Don Rickles is not the head basketball coach at West Virginia. Carol Connor is not playing Archie Bunker anymore because he's not available and because it's not 1978. Red Fox wouldn't play today. Societies evolve. You may disagree. 
You can use whatever words you want at your house. But if you say things that we as a society have moved on from in a public forum, in a job like that, there are consequences. So the apology was a first step because he did beat any critic to where they were going to go saying, as a coach, I've emphasized to my players, actions have consequences. Secondly, he's an alumnus of West Virginia. Remember what they did to get him to come from Cincinnati? Effectively, they gave him a lifetime contract. Many schools, and I say this as someone who spent 30 years in the college sports space, many schools have their athletic department run by the donors. According to reports, not hard to figure this one out, Huggins still has the support of the people who write the checks. All the more important now in the NIL world because you need their dollars for these collectives. And then finally, apparently there was not that much outrage in the state of West Virginia. So if you want to tell me, hey, New York guy in Southern California, you don't understand, and you can go back to the old notion of community standards, that's okay. Your university can do whatever it wants to. It doesn't make it right. There's a right and a wrong, and the right here, in my opinion, is if you say that word, and it wasn't just a slip of the tongue, you can listen to the conversation. And a final thought in many ways, it reminded me of what this industry was like when I started in the early 90s. Go listen to that conversation between Huggins and Bill Cunningham, who's been on the air in Cincinnati for decades. That was radio for a long time. And let me connect it to the show that I'm very fortunate to be the guest host of again today. That was a lot of sports talk radio. And you know who changed a lot of that? Jim Rome, because Jim actually took the time to plan his shows to craft and cultivate his thoughts. He didn't just chop it up with Huggy Bear for, and I know Bob Huggins has been a guest, but I'm making a point here. Didn't just call Huggy Bear as they did on that show. And let's just drift into homophobic slurs in addition to saying some horrible things about the trans community. So that's the other thing that stood out to me because there's an old line. Why are radio and TV called mediums, right? Well, they're neither rare nor well done. And what I heard in that radio show was horrific. And in my estimation, the penalty should have been much more severe. But I'm not surprised Bob Huggins is going to survive. You can say a million bucks is a lot. I agree. But it's not about a financial consequence. It's about a university living up to its own standards. I realize he's a basketball coach, but we still have the cloak of these are educational settings. He is shaping young minds. Well, this just in, hypocrisy continues, and I think that is my major takeaway about what's happened in West Virginia. I thought Huggins would survive. We get confirmation today. I'm Brian Weber, trying my best not to live up to the cliche that radio is neither rare nor well done. Well, it's rare for me. I'm only here three days a week, and I get to take a couple months off. Coming up, we'll lighten the mood. Although, I, I have to thread the needle here because Nate Diaz is a jungle icon. He's getting to, <laughs> ready to rumble with Jake Paul. Why? He's getting a big check. 
So, if you're staging what I believe to be a sham of a fight, should you be surprised when your press conference goes off the rails? We have audio gold coming up first. Time for a sports update. Andrew Bogish has the latest. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? We roll on on a jam-packed Wednesday, still an hour away from our first guest talking NBA with Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. So, there are opportunities for you to have your voice heard. 1-800-636-8686. NBA will tip off hour number two of the program since I went in-depth on the Sixers and Celtics to start the show. We'll shift our attention to the latest brilliance from Nikola Jokic, and he has a sense of humor, as we saw last night. You could sense that was coming, right? You knew there'd be a Joker, Matt Ishbia moment. We'll talk about how things should play out the rest of the way between Denver and Phoenix coming up. A reminder, it's an ATP day. Time to ask the pros. Were you the clones? Get to ask me a question. Brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbssportsradio.com slash ask the pros. Submit your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. With NBA on the docket, quick Woj bomb. I think he has good sourcing on this one. This is ESPN on ESPN Crime. J.J. Redick who's been all over TV today because he works for the mothership, has interviewed for the Raptors coaching job. J.J.'s a very bright guy. He had a great conversation with Jim not too long ago. I think he's good on TV. However, if you have a chance to shape an organization, Toronto, a cosmopolitan international city, the compensation, candidly, is better as well. You're going to have to work a lot harder than our industry, but given his basketball acumen I would not be surprised if that's the path he wants to go if hired although friend of the program Nick Nurse I think got a raw deal and that roster needs to be revamped beyond Pascal Siakam who do you have in Toronto I am acknowledging friends of the program because I am now going to head into the danger zone Hopefully, as the Toby and Houston reset inwardly and the monologue reflects, I am a long-time clone. I know who the key contributors to the show have been over the years. I have enjoyed Jim and Nate Diaz having a series of phenomenal conversations. However, Nate, I think, at this stage of his career, is just looking for the dough. I get it. I'm in very much 
in the incentive game, why do you think I work as much as I can? I'm not judging anybody for having a payday. However, I have so little respect for Jake Paul. Not for him as a hustler, not for him as a success story, not for him as a content creator. I'm somebody who grew up in the golden age of modern boxing. And you want me to go through all the super fights I watched as a kid? I loved the sweet science. It was one of the rare points of commonality with my old man. We would watch the fights on USA Network. We'd watch the fights from the Felt Forum in New York. And it wasn't just Hagler, Hearns, or Arguello, and Pryor, and all the different trilogies. Boxing meant something to us. It is a reflection of just how irrelevant boxing has become that Jake Paul is a sensation. Still, the audience is never wrong. A lot of you find this interesting. Now, Jake was exposed, if you really care about the particulars of his career. Last time he got into the ring... I know it was a split decision, but everyone I talked to actually paid money to see that debacle said Tommy Fury kicked his ass. And remember, Tommy is a pseudo-legitimate boxer because he's the half-brother of Tyson. What Paul has done brilliantly is pick his opponents. And Dana White said it on Friday when he was talking to Jim. Paul has matchmaking skills that have focused on finding old MMA guys with no boxing experience and beating them. And now he's trying to do that with Nate Diaz with a fight coming up in Dallas in Austin. Uh, Dallas, Austin, the, the greater Texas Metroplex area. And that's coming up later this summer. So a sad press conference yesterday with just a weird face off that Nate didn't even seem like he wanted to fully commit to. And then they took questions. Now, I guess when you put together what is a farce of a fight, you shouldn't be surprised when things get a little bit odd. I guess you should be anticipating bogus questions at your presser like this one. Hey guys, uh, Derek from Better Media here. Uh, my question's for Nate. Nate, I'm actually a boxer myself and I've been trying to get into this undercard. Um, I'm just wondering if you think <laughs> I could fight your brother Nick. If he's anything like you, I think I'd beat his f***ing ass. Mm. Not very respectful. For Brother, where are you just going to walk around the streets or some shit? You know, my homeboy see you right now. Yeah, I'm... I'm that was I'm stupid, not, huh? Yeah, I'm definitely pretty nervous right now. Yeah, you're, that was stupid. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, I'm Derek from Better Media. Hey, Derek Better Media. Stupid <laughs> ass, motherfucker. <laughs> you need to have your ass whipped. I, I... And Derek was never heard from again. How insane do you have to be or just have the microphone muscles, and I know all about that, right? This is how I'm getting my curling in, to challenge any member of the Diaz family. Now, the kid got his cheap heat. And look, if I'm going to self-report, I was an enormous wrestling fan as a kid. I love a spectacle. I know bad theater when I see it and I embrace it. What's worse than bad? Rock bottom, rock bottom, as I do Jim Ross. So that was the crescendo. But just when you thought it couldn't get any weirder, apparently Nate got so bored, he just got up and bailed. Excited to put on a massive event and the, the pre-signups. Is, is this man leaving? Uh, he said he's just going to the restroom and he'll be right back. Jesus Christ. I've never seen anything like it. He'll be right back, he said. 
for R.L. Hawani, who I have a great deal of respect for. I work with him at Fox. And again, I am having fun with this because I love combat sports. I used to be the guy yelling in the old days of Strike Force MMA, and it's over just that quickly before and UFC just that quickly. purchased the organization. Hawani is terrific, but the whole thing reeked of worse than a circus. These are carny people. And I hope Nate's getting handsomely compensated. I hope that he kicks Jake Paul's ass. The Paul phenomena has to go away. And now I'm just yelling about I want things to be the way they were in 1984. But part of me says, because boxing is the purest form of athletic competition, it's me against you, understanding all of the serious ramifications of head trauma, everything else. Boxing can't figure it out, and I know all the macro reasons because of the corruption and the organizations that are pilfering from each other. I get it, but this is what we're reduced to now. And Nate, go out there, get every dollar you can. But when Nate couldn't even stomach the situation long enough just to hang out, and look, who's going to tell Nate you got to sit in the chair? But when Nate says, peace out, well, also when I heard Jake say, Jesus Christ, I thought the next thing was going to be Jack Savage, right? Now, Jack might have been there. Jesus it's Jack Savage. I think when, very nice, <laughs> when Jack accepted this job, there was a carve-out. He could still be an assassin in his free time slash a bodyguard. And Jake Paul's going to need one. That punk asking the question, challenging the Diaz family. All right, so I've done my job. And you know what I did? Exactly what they wanted. I've hyped the fight. So bad it's good. Now, thankfully, not coming up until August, so we'll table it for a while. Although I know myself, if I'm lucky enough to come back during Jim's summer vacation, I'll drift back here because I can't shake myself of my wrestling roots. And you know... The one-man gang is not walking through that door with Larry Brown. He'll be right back. One hour down, a lot more to get to. I have to jump in with a lot of takeaways from the game I watched a good chunk of the first half of. That's all I needed because Denver was in total control. Feels like, though, it's going seven. And then the question comes into focus, can Booker... Because you know Durant's going to be there. But can Booker sustain back-to-back games based on what he's going to do in Phoenix coming up? What's the outlook for Game 7? A lot more NBA to get to. We have to put our arms around potentially the end of the Golden State Dynasty as soon as tonight. Hour number two coming up. Hang with us. Brian Weber, always having a good time with you. In for Jim Rome on CBS Sports Radio. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. It's another hour of the program. We appreciate the company on CBS Sports Radio, the phenomenal simulcast on CBS Sports Network. I am open to having a conversation with you. I took two phone calls in record-setting fashion yesterday. 
Can we duplicate that today? 1-800-636-8686. It's an ATP focus program. Looking for quality emails. RomanAvatake.com. Tweets have been good. Let's try to make it even better in the next 20 minutes as I do my best to get you a window to interact at least once an hour in advance of our first guest. It's Mike Vorkanov, covers the NBA for The Athletic. Mike used to be their beat writer for the Knicks, so as much as I've ignored that series, not out of a bias, not being a hater, full disclosure, the Knicks were the team of my youth. I find them to be the least interesting of the remaining teams, but we could spin it forward, talk about the transcendence that is Jimmy Butler come playoff time. And just one more guest after that. With the return of Aaron Judge last night, another Otani game, and he is one of a kind, one of one. We'll talk baseball to wrap up the program at 2.40 Eastern time when we say hello to Joe Sheehan, who used to write for Sports Illustrated. Now check out his own work, Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. I realize a ton of you, as we're going to talk NBA momentarily, already went through the wreckage of a emotionally flat performance by the Celtics. I don't know what was missing last night. I do know that Embiid was flat-out brilliant. I do know that Maxi was locked in from distance. Harden didn't have to do too much, but he had the 10 assists. That was a comprehensive effort, and the Celtics offered so little resistance. It's fair to wonder, is there something seriously missing from this team, or is this their body of work? As we went through last year's trajectory to the NBA Finals and having to win a Game 7 against Milwaukee, even though the Bucks were missing Chris Middleton, fooling around with the Heat as Butler put that entire franchise on his back because he had absolutely no help. We're going to spend a little more time talking Nuggets and Suns, and we'll get you fully lined up for what I think will be a lopsided Warrior victory tonight. Lakers, well aware, they have a little cushion. I'm not suggesting they're going to lay down. I, I saw one of the talking head shows. I think, unfortunately, that got lost in translation. We read these graphics, and one of them said, should the Lakers rest their starters? The notion was, if it's a blowout in the third quarter, yeah, what's the point for Darvin Ham to get his guys on the floor? They have the series lead, and they know the Warriors have been abysmal on the road with Game 6 then looming Friday night here in Southern California. I know beyond all of that, if I was just trying to play to the masses, and it is broadcasting, right? I'm not just here riffing. I'm trying to keep you entertained and informed. Many of you just want me to go through an agonizing detail from my perspective all that we know about the NFL's schedule release as of today, because the games are being slowly revealed, and that's smart marketing by the NFL. I will be a good corporate citizen. I will remind you, in addition to what you heard this morning over on CBS Morning, love Nate Burleson. I worked with Nate when he was an active player for the Lions, and now he has turned out to be a multimedia sensation. Does a great job with Gail King. You had the reveal today, and you'll have another one on CBS Morning, so check that out on your local CBS affiliate. But I can't fully commit to, and then in week three, we think, and here are their national games. So I want to spend some time talking about 
what I thought were very intriguing early Vegas thoughts on the season, even though the schedule is not fully complete. Vegas has already come up with strong takeaways, burying some teams you might be surprised to learn about. That's coming up in 15 minutes. Did you watch any of the Nuggets and the Suns? Probably not because of East Coast bias. That's my job after all. So as I was looking for your words of attaboy, Bri, you actually stayed up and watched the game. I made it through the entire Boston-Philly game, mostly because I was waiting for the Boston run that never came. Now, the good news for Team Sleep, because I'm beat up enough, given all the challenges I have in my life, was that the game last night in Denver was never in doubt. The Nuggets were locked in from the outset. Joker messed around with a triple-double in the first half alone. He achieved another one. That gives him 10 in his career in the postseason. That breaks Chamberlain's record. Go back to what happened on Sunday. Joker with 53 points. Second most in a playoff game by a center. Second only to Will. Nikola Jokic is a talent that we don't have a comp for other than Chamberlain. And there's only one Will. Will does almost the stuff of legends. If you really are bored beyond the 100-point game you're aware of. Remember it happened in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Just look at some of Chamberlain's numbers. They don't make any sense, especially in an era in the NBA when they didn't have a three-point shot. But Jokic is so versatile, so crafty, such a tough cover that Phoenix is well aware that they have no way of matching up with him directly. So in many ways, they're going to concede what Jokic is going to do. And pregame, of course, because we could see this one coming all the way through the Rocky Mountains. Don't you know, because Jokic is a funny cat in his own way. And there's Matt Ishbia hanging out on the sideline. When you buy the team, you can get to the gym four hours early and just chat up the fellas. Hey, guys, how you doing? Well, there was Matty, and Joker came over and gave him the ball. All is forgiven after I spent way too much time uh, Monday, turning that kerfuffle into the basketball crime of the century. So no surprise that Joker did his thing. And no surprise that, in my view, Booker had a less spectacular performance because think about what he has been asked to do along with Durant. And I'm not trying to overlook KD nor take his contributions for granted, but that's what he does. That's why the Suns went all in and gave up so many assets to get him. So I'm just going to presume that you're going to get a big game from Durant. And we know what Booker has done other than game seven last year against Dallas. Here's a guy who scored over 70 points in a single game. He was lights out on Friday, 47 points. He and Durant each had 36 in the win on Sunday, but he seemed more mortal last night, had to work hard to get his 28 and the overall takeaway was amplified with the pre- and post-game comments I heard on NBA TV from friend of the program, Michael Malone. Effectively, he said, we're not going to let Booker beat us. And if it takes a double team, okay, because if you're watching the games in Phoenix, Booker got far too many open looks. That is the Durant dilemma because he's going to demand your attention defensively. But without getting too bogged down in the minutiae, just watching that game or even seeing the highlights, 
you could see a lot more defensive intensity surrounding Booker. And the question became, once we established the star watch, and to me, this really is the tipping point of the series between the Lakers and the Warriors as well. And I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Phone calls are welcome. 1-800-636-8686. Emails, RomanAvatake.com. Your tweets in less than 15 minutes. That's B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. To me, the most fascinating part of most of these series comes down to the complementary players. Not the wild fluctuation game by game for, say, James Harden, but who's going to be impactful that we don't suspect. If you go back to a winning formula for Phoenix on Sunday, it was the bench production, which was a real interesting development because once Chris Paul went down, the question became, where else was the key contributions going to come from? Well, Monty Williams even go to his bench. It felt like he just tuned them out, maybe because he had no faith in them. And then on Sunday, bench points were the huge difference, primarily because Landry Shamit went off. Well, because Denver has more depth, somebody finally stepped up. And it wasn't Lonnie Walker getting on a plane and going to Denver. Bruce Brown, not Mike Brown, Bruce Brown, 25 points. Michael Porter Jr., I know he's a starter, but again, when I use the term complimentary, I'm just looking for fellas beyond the core, beyond the usual suspects. Well, after Porter Jr. did very little on Sunday, he had 19 points. Tail of the tape says Denver got back to the form that gave them the second-best home record in all of basketball in the regular season. And I did not forecast it would be a Bruce Brown game, but I also self-reported I didn't know who Lonnie Walker the fourth was prior to the other night, and I live here in Southern California. So that's what's wonderful about the basketball playoffs. Who is going to emerge that we don't even think is going to be a factor? What does it all mean moving forward? This smells like seven games, in my opinion. Go back to Phoenix. Let's see if the adjustment can be made. Get Booker some more open looks. It also now will come down to stamina because Phoenix is asking everything from their big two. And they don't even have a half. It's all Booker, all Durant. Let's just pencil it in for the sake of this conversation with a Phoenix win. We go back to Denver for game seven. And as much as I want to believe in Durant because we've seen him do it in big moments so many times before I think Denver gets it done in game seven and then we're thinking about the combinations is it Denver versus the Warriors is it Denver versus the Lakers the early thought is and the view from Vegas has the Warriors as big favorites tonight that's understandable what's going to happen when we get to a game six in LA if you're a Warrior fan You take comfort in what you saw, not only in Game 1, where the Warriors were forced to put together a massive comeback. They did all the work. They had a shot at winning the game, and then it was Jordan Poole with a ridiculous shot. And we've not seen nor heard from Poole since. You and I had as many points as Poole the other night. 
sitting on a bagel in 10 minutes. You know about the woes from Clay Thompson. So the Warriors will play better tonight. I'm not trying to overhype the, it's the end of a dynasty, although I think that's a promo coming up, so I have to be careful about contradicting myself. I don't think they're on the clock tonight. But when we get to game six in L.A. on Friday, and the Warriors were just horrible on the road in the regular season, and you can tell me the regular season doesn't mean anything, okay, well, only one win separated the Warriors, and the Lakers prior to the playoffs. Weren't they basically the same team? And the biggest difference was the Lakers had that massive transformation because of the moves around the trade deadline. The Lakers of the first few months are not even in the same conversation as the team that we see now poised to move on to the Western Conference Finals because they got LeBron complimentary players, namely shooters, and because they're playing defense. At second best, depending on what metric you want to use, since the trade deadline in all of the NBA. So while I was sitting here absolutely annihilating the Warriors for a series of blunders at the end of the game, and remember, the Warriors were up seven going to the fourth quarter. Klay Thompson took two ridiculous shots. Steph Curry seemed desperate, and we've seen him make that shot repeatedly, but it's all the more challenging when you have AD with his wingspan closing on you. To me, that's the difference. Because even if AD is less than reliable, I'm being kind. It's my last show of the week. I'm now that annoying guy. It's my Friday. Can I get a deck of yeah on a Wednesday? Don't hit that button. I am wearing denim, and I backed it in. The Lakers' defense is the one thing you can count on in this series. It's It's been there. It's been the through line. It's been the constant. So while Warrior fans have to feel like, okay, game one, 50-50, but we came all the way back, had a shot, should have won the game the other night in downtown L.A. Warriors got tight. Maybe they were just mesmerized by Lonnie Walker. Perhaps they were trying to figure out who the guy was and why he erupted for 15 points all coming in the fourth quarter. But the question really that needs to be answered when we get to Friday night in LA who is going to give Steph the assistance he needs I'm not prepared to say Clay is washed because that would be insane do you watch these games did you see what he did game two didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter we know his overall body of work I just don't have the same conviction anymore because of all the wear and tear and everything he's had to go through just to be back in the rotation. Torn ACL and Achilles is no joke. Draymond is always the emotional catalyst, but if he gives you anything offensively, that is a bonus. Somebody other than Steph Curry has to have the ability to be a factor. It can't just be Steph because it feels a lot like a reversal of the conversation we had surrounding LeBron James towards the end of both of his runs in Cleveland. He can't do it alone. LeBron needs more help. Well, Rob Palenka got it done. There's an actual roster now. AD, we take the 
shots at him that he has created, unfortunately, because of his unavailability, his inconsistency. He's been damn good in this series. So let's see what happens. I won't be here, so I won't have to make any stone cold locks. Tonight, Warriors, I think, win, and they win in straightforward fashion. Good news for the Lakers is if you're worried about load management for someone as fragile as Anthony Davis, probably shouldn't have to play anything close to the full 48. And then we get back to Southern California. And since I do think the regular season has to have some meaning, and I know Wiggins wasn't there for the long stretch because of his personal issues. If you care about my opinion, and this is not a Vegas view, I don't have James Kelly whispering in my ear. James will not join a filling host like me. He barely joins Jim when Jim is name-checking him during the week. I think Lakers get it done. And then whomever it is, I think Lakers Nuggets is interesting on a lot of levels. And the view from Vegas would have the Lakers as favorites to make it to the NBA Finals. And the smile you can hear, you can actually hear a smile and a little bit of a chortle underneath that grin are the executives at the NBA office in New York as they're getting ready to cash the checks you put the lakers in the nba finals i don't care who they're playing and you want to talk old school boston la fine boston miami will do a number you can sell jimmy butler rematch of the bubble final if you get and be there for the first time that's got star power but i think and you can call me laker bry if you even know who i am this is the moment for the lakers won't be tonight but it will be game six as the Ability to take the next step, and then they could potentially shake off that asterisk that I think uh, deserve to come with the bubble championship. 1-800-636-8686. Your tweets are on the way. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Emails are in the mix today as well because I got an ATP in the final hour of the program. So hit us up, RomanHaveATake.com. More NBA in just over 20 minutes. Mike Vorkanov covers the association for the athletic straight ahead. Your thoughts will get interactive. Plus we'll get to the football. We're getting a drip, drip, drip of information in advance of the complete NFL schedule release tomorrow. We know the dolphins and jets playing on black Friday as the league gives a gift to Amazon. Well, Amazon paid for it, but it's a nice relationship there still even though the full schedule is not available, some Vegas win totals are already out. How low will the Patriots go? That's coming up. I'm Brian Weber, enjoying every moment today in the jungle. In for Jim Rome here on CBS Sports Radio. Let's keep the NBA conversation going. Here is Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Mike, I am an athletic subscriber. I grew up in the suburbs of New York City in the Bernard King going back-to-back 50-point efforts against the Pistons in the old best-of-five format back in the day. So I'm a recovering Nick fan. I want to get your Nick thoughts in a moment, but first, thank you for taking the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. Big build-up. Well, hey, I read The Athletic all the time, and I've enjoyed your stuff, so I'm glad we were able to get you on the line. I'm going to spend more time moving forward. I have another NBA rant scheduled in the last hour of the show. Tacking on what I laid out to start the program with energy devoted to burying the Celtics, but I also want to be balanced. We have to acknowledge how 
dynamic Joel Embiid continues to be, and he's still dealing with the knee injury. What stood out, Mike, from your perspective, from what we saw last night from the reigning MVP on both ends of the floor in Boston? I mean, I can't get over that block he had, the chase down block on Jalen Brown in transition in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, that's a 280-pound guy doing that, right? That's, that's absurd. Uh, that combination of speed and size, uh, on, you know, on defense and hustling, just he could have just let it go. I think it was a double-digit game at that point. Um, but obviously he's locked in. And aside from that, like he had 33 points, and, you know, uh, that's kind of been standard for him. I think he averaged 33 this season. So he's he's been, uh, you know, a little bit hobbled because of the injury, but he was pretty good last night. And I don't think there's much bad you can say about him. Thank you for summing it up. So now let's shift to negativity, the lifeblood of what we do in Sports Talk Radio. Mike, were you surprised to see the lack of energy from the Celtics? It just appeared to me, sitting on the couch, they were flat. And if we're going to hold people accountable, how much of that comes down to the players and their level of effort and how much of that is a byproduct of coaching and what Joe Mazzula is doing or failing to do in these playoffs? Yeah, it's always hard to uh, distribute credit or blame. I, you know, I think when you give out credit, it goes to the players most of the time as well as it should. And I think the same thing in this situation, the Celtics have had as good as they were this year with 57 wins have, have had, you know, just something seem a little off with them all season long where it seems like they would have too many lapses. And if that happened last night, you know, they're a team so heavily dependent on threes. And last night they were just 12 of 38 and, um, it's just something was off, right? And it was clear, and we'll see when they go back to Boston for game six if it improves. But um, they've had kind of just stinkers along the way sometimes, and this is a really inopportune one. And we saw last year as they needed seven games to get past the Bucks, even though Chris Middleton was banged up. Mike Orford of, of The Athletic is our guest. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Mike, I know you're very well-versed in the economics of hoops. Could you just give us a broad overview for casual fans about what we're going to find out later tonight with the reveal of the All-NBA teams? What would Jalen Brown be in line for if he's on one of those teams? And if, in fact, that kicks in, what would be the implications for his future in Boston or free agency? Well, I think if he makes an all NBA team, uh, he'd be able to be eligible for the all, uh, the Supermax extension, um, which he is not eligible for as of this moment. Um, that would be roughly, I think off the top of my head, maybe somewhere around like $100 million, if I remember correctly, um, that he can sign for, re sign for with the Celtics. As of right now, if he doesn't make a team, you know, he can re sign for 140% of his base year salary which is a nice sum. You know, I think it gets into about four, four years, 190, something like that. Um, but he'd probably be better off just going to free agency. And if he can get on an all-NBA team, there's a much higher chance that he re-signs with the Celtics and avoids free agency. And that's not to say he would leave the Celtics if he, uh, if he got to free agency. But, you know, you never know when someone can walk if, if they'll take the opportunity. Talking hoops with Mike Vorganoff of The Athletic. Let's shift to Denver and Phoenix. Another transcendent performance by Nikola Jokic with the triple-double. As I watched that game, maybe I was projecting. I got the feeling Devin Booker was a little bit spent after all he was asked to do going back to Friday with that superhuman game. What would you take away from last night's game, and how do you see things playing out moving forward in that series? Oh, man. I think last night was just kind of the difference between – 
uh, a top-heavy team like the Suns and Denver, which has just more depth to it and has more guys they can call upon. You know, Bruce Brown had 25 points, right? Michael Porter Jr. was good. Um, they have Christian Braun playing 20 minutes off the bench. Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They can go legitimately like seven players deep, and you can't say that about the Suns. So much of that team uh, is reliant on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and as good as they are, um, that's that's still too few players that you can truly rely on. DeAndre Ayton is obviously uh, in and out sometimes, and he's got a tough matchup with Jokic where he's clearly overmatching that in that matchup. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to project going forward. Like, uh, Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball probably. Uh, I think that gets forgetting about sometimes, and they have the number one record in the West, so it makes sense that they're the favorite, and it makes sense they have a chance to close the series out in game six. Mike, let's draw on your Nick expertise. A good achievement just to advance to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in a decade. Whenever that series ends, as soon as tonight, we move to the offseason, and it feels like every free agency cycle, we talk about Superstar X coming to New York. Well, Brunson came home. That was a step in the right direction. What would be on the Knicks' wish list, and what do you think is attainable in the offseason? <laughs> I mean... The wish list is obviously some kind of top 15 player, right? Uh, they had their chance in Donovan Mitchell last summer. Um, they passed on that. And understandable to some degree, I thought it was the right move at the time, and he played a lot better than I thought he would during the season. So maybe you get a little uh, non-buyer's remorse. But it's to be in that position again. And they have a really good young nucleus, uh, and they have a lot of the draft capital that they would need to make such a trade. And it's you know they've, they've done pretty much everything they can. They put themselves in the right position with the draft assets. They have young players. They have success now, right? Getting to a second round is pretty big. Um, now can they capitalize on the moment, right? The NBA is all about capitalizing on your moments, whether it be in season, in the postseason, or in the offseason where a potential trade or signing rears its head. Mike, as I mentioned, I enjoy your material on The Athletic. Glad we had a chance to connect on the program. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today on CBS Sports Radio. No, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Mike Vorkanoff, former beat writer, covering the Knicks, covers the entire league for the Athletic. I am not affiliated with the Athletic, but I will say as a satisfaction. Good night!